2: Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. odd
0: combination. Yeah,
2: well, so are my parents. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. What
1: about us? What about all the times you said? That oh, Carl Anthony Towns is Mr.
2: Basketball of <laughs> the NBA tonight. Yes, he is.
3: Towns gets inside and one. He's got the 5-0. Towns for the record. Oh, my God.
2: And
1: a new Timberwolves single-game franchise record set by Carl Anthony.
0: It just happens, you know. So, um, my teammates got me open. He had great ball movement. We had a uh, 30, 33 assists. So, we had great ball movement. Ball was moving everywhere. Everyone was touching the ball. Uh, you know, just one of those nights where the last pass was uh, just finding me in a good spot.
2: An assassin last night. He is, we put together a bunch of numbers before the show, only the second player ever to grab. 15 plus rebounds and make six plus threes in a game. Uh, I'm sorry. He's one of only 10 players ever to do that. Uh, Vince Carter, James Harden, Kevin Love, Dirk Nowitzki, Rasheed Wallace, Russell Westbrook. And as far as 56, 15 and four, Anthony Davis did it once. Michael Jordan did it once. Kevin McHale did it once. Rick Barry did it once. And Will Chamberlain did it a handful of times way back in the day. And that's it. That's the list of players. It's Random players might put up 50 points once in a while, like Mo Williams or Corey Brewer. Random players don't also give you six three-pointers and 15 rebounds and a bunch of assists. Right. That was an insane performance by Carl Anthony Towns. Where does it rank among great performances you've seen with your own two
3: eyes in person? I'm going to give you three that that I thought of I'm probably missing some and for as as many hockey games as I've seen through the years I can't think of one that yeah. uh, that makes my list uh but the three I'm going to give you are 1991 Jack Morris game 7 one yeah, of the most there. yes yeah. one of the most just it was incredible to watch he didn't come out it was a phenomenal game his performance was dominant And that would probably rank atop my list. My other one or two on the list is a game I covered in 2003. Around Christmas of that year, the night after Brett Favre's father died. Brett Favre played against Oakland. He completed 22 of 30 passes for 399 yards, four touchdowns, and Favre, no picks, 41-7 Packers. Yeah. That was because of the emotion, too. That one was off the charts. The Raiders fans, who are brutal people, were applauding Favre. Mm -hmm. And number three on my list, Adrian Peterson. 296 yards uh, in the 2007 season at the Metrodome against the Chargers. A single-game record that almost wasn't because he had been removed from the game and somebody had to actually go tell Childress put him back in. He is, he's essentially on the brink of breaking the single-game rushing record. They rushed him back in. He got it. But, yeah, so my so the three that come to mind would be Morrison 91, game seven, uh, Favre the day after his dad died, and then Adrian Peterson setting the uh, single-game rushing record of 296 yards in 2007. Yeah,
2: I think that was the greatest basketball performance I've ever seen live. I mean, i I'm trying to think of other examples. Well, here's one: I left early. Does this count? Kevin Love, thirty, thirty and thirty game. I left that at halftime. When he, I mean, he had like fourteen and nine at halftime or something. Who would have thought that so he it, was going to grab twenty rebounds in the second half? Yeah, so you didn't see the end of it. So yeah, It so so it doesn't count. I saw the first half of Kevin Love's thirty and thirty game. I mean, like I've seen LeBron James and I've seen Kevin Garnett put up, you know, twenty and twenty or whatever, but not this fifty-six and sixteen and. Up and down the court, knocking down three pointers. So it's definitely the best basketball performance I've ever seen live. I was at the Adrian Peterson game, covering it, uh, probably just a couple seats down from you inside the Metrodome, breaking the single season and or the single game NFL rushing record. I have seen, and it's totally random. You know, you don't you don't see these coming. I've seen two no hitters in person. You have Eric Milton and Francisco Liriano. So I was at the Eric oh, Milton. Oh, that's right.
3: You covered the Francisco game. I yep. forgot about that. In
2: Chicago. I've so never seen one. 1999, oh, no the ahead. Eric Milton game right. was against a late season September. It was September 11th, 1999, actually. And it was uh, like an 11.30 start time because the Gopher football team played later that night. It was a Saturday morning. I remember it. And it was mostly a September call-up lineup for the Angels. Did Tim Salmon play in that game? I think Salmon did. It's possible Mo Vaughn Vaughn was on the team or something, but Troy Glaus was actually one of the players in that lineup who at the time he didn't really think anything of it, but he became one of their better hitters. You know, he was a big-time power hitter for a long time, but still a no-hitter against professional hitters. Yeah, it's I, a no-hitter. I take it. The Francisco Liriano no-hitter was all over the place because he walked like six batters and the last out was a line drive to shortstop that you Adam Dunn was at the plate. And it was just a screaming line drive right to Matt Tolbert at shortstop that you thought for sure was going to go into the outfield and instead it was kind of Frankie's last hurrah with the Twins cuz he really he got traded I it was the next season he got traded or it might have been later that year he got traded or something cuz it was in May um and then the only like the only other two that come to mind in-person big time performances Jason Kubel hit for the cycle in 2009 at the Metrodome and capped it with a grand slam but I left that game early too <laughs> I didn't I saw the grand slam on TV. That was TV. a Friday night, right? I have no problem Against leaving the, the game early and it's probably uh you left fault last night. I did. But I, I left He had fifty yeah, though, by I, that point. I watched him hit his fiftieth yeah, point and then I left. You're
0: like I beat the, beat traffic. the traffic. I gotta yeah. beat
3: the traffic.
2: Um and then and then I I I looked this up. I might have Roger Clemens Andy Pettit style misremembered the Eddie George performance I thought I saw in the nineties. Yeah. As a kid, we used my dad and I used to go to go for football games. All the time when they were just crappy in the mid-90s, the Jim Wacker era. And I remember Eddie George absolutely destroying the Gophers in his senior year at Ohio State. And I I remember it being like 49 to something, and I was right about the score. It was like 49 to 21. Yeah. And I remember him scoring three touchdowns, but the yardage was only like 185 or something.
3: Was that the team that had like Orlando Pace on it? and And who who was the receiver, the star receiver? uh, David Boston. I think I went to that game. I think David Boston, I think that's the one you're talking about. Yeah. I think I went j- just to see them be- because their team was so good. Yeah. And the Gophers were a joke. But it was just fun to watch them. Yeah. Well, the Gophers had Chris Darkens and a couple yeah. of, they had a couple. No, but you knew that they were just going to get, player. you knew that, that they were dead. I've got it. Angels lineup from the day that, that uh, Milton no-hit them, which was September 11th, 1999, uh, a 11 a.m. start time. 11,222 there, okay?
2: 11,000.
3: 11,000. 11, we were in the— Which the, I'm sure was inflated,
2: too. We were in the family section. Well, a they little film act. Where Mac, it's yeah. like you get a yeah. hot dog and a 15,
3: Pepsi maybe? or something. Coke, whatever. All right. In right field, Jeff Devannon. Oh, my God. Jeff he walked. He walked, but he struck out in, in his three official at-bats. In center field, Orlando Palmero, who also walked but struck out in his two official at-bats. The three hitter that day in left field, Todd Green. The third baseman, batting cleanup, as you just said, was Troy Yep. The DH was Steve Decker. Oh, my God. The first baseman, I have no recollection of this young man, Matt Luke. No. The catcher, same thing, Brett Hemphill. Mm. Second base, Trent Durrington. Wow. That's three for three. I have no recollection. And the shortstop, I did hear of and I think he played for the Yankees at some point. Andy Sheets, yeah, Andy Sheets was a I remember yeah, Andy backup Sheets. Guy. Yeah.
2: Oh, one that I totally forgot about. In 2011, I saw a Vikings game where Christian Ponder actually went to his second option and completed a pass. No,
3: you dr- you dreamt that. that. Yeah, that, that was a great performance. That was a dream. Yeah, he that
2: didn't he, really happen. he looked off a safety, checked down to his second option without running, and then completed a pass. So that, that didn't that was, really happen. I'd put that on the list too. Yeah. Other than that, though, there's not prob- many. Probably shouldn't leave games early so that I don't miss a 30 rebound performance
3: by Kevin Love. But that's pretty. I so think was that, that game Wolves by game just gonna boring, sort of, or what caused you to take off? They were playing half-time. some
2: Eastern Conference team. They were a non playoff team. It was like, I, and I went to every Wolves game, and just I mean, it was like a nondescript game at halftime. And then I got home, and the announcers were hannemans like, the crowd's going crazy. It's like what? And that's 30 rebounds for Kevin Love. Like,
3: what? See, that's why you don't leave sports early.
2: And Kevin Love wasn't known for doing special things on a basketball court yet at that time. He was still on the rise. It was like 2010 or something. Right. So we got Roy Smalley coming up in 20 minutes from now. Dave Harrigan, you got some questions for us when we come back? Oh,
1: I've got questions. Deep, deep philosophical questions. Okay. We'll talk baseball. We've got answers.
2: We also have MLB The Show 2018 to give away for PlayStation 4 to caller number 5 right now. Every time you hear that Baseball Tonight sounder, that's your chance to win uh the top baseball video game on the market right now. 651-646-8255 877-615-1500. Caller 5 wins MLB The Show 18. Uh Luther Brookdale Toyota is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and it's your place to get the best service, to get into the best most durable vehicles and to work with some of the best people in the industry you know i love the way that they upgrade these toyotas every year two years three years depending on the model with sleek new exteriors and they just like they don't they look cutting edge on the outside and then you get you roll up the sleeves you get into the safety features and the protection you get into the technology on the interior so like i've been saying it's the best combination of durable state-of-the-art vehicles state-of-the-art facility so think of it like a new stadium on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, and then a great front office and and uh, field staff and players all over the place. Why would you go anywhere else? My family and I have been locked in for 30-plus years, and there's a reason for that. Take our word for it. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, and also you can snoop around LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd, Roy Smalley, in about 15 or 20. Mackie and Judd are back.
1: Audio it's your
2: time. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John.
3: Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance.
2: Uh, baseballs are in the air. John Lester warming up. Our first game. Why does our first game have to be at that Miami this dog crap pile of a stadium? They like got games on all day long, and we're just gotta, like, that's yeah. the first one know. that's... That's going to be televised, I guess. No
1: better sight on opening day than empty seats in Miami. And no Marlins man. No Marlins man. Wow. What a great segue. Let's talk about Marlins man in question. Number one, a 25 year season ticket run has ended. He's done. He's done with the Marlins. He offered him a bunch of money to pay for three years of seats in those TV view spots right behind home plate. Well, They said, nah, no thanks. He says he only now plans to attend Yankees Marlins at Yankee Stadium. He's also considering keeping the orange jersey he wears, but taking the Margans logo right off of it. He's so mad. Also claims that about four other teams have reached out to him, said maybe he could become like Tiger's guy or something like that. Hey, all right. Marlins man. Is he right here to be upset about the Marlins not accepting his prepaid offer of three years of season tickets at a slightly discounted price because they suck? Or is he just a tool? Can it be both? Absolutely it can be both, but which is more right?
3: Well, the Marlins are so dysfunctional right now that that I would probably slightly side with him just based on on the fact that no one cares about this franchise. Jeter and and the group that bought it is seemingly, unless there's some great grand plan here, doing everything they can to sabotage and ruin it. And, I mean, this guy goes around all these games with a Marlins jersey on. I don't think that's bad for the franchise. So, do I think he's a tool? Yes, I do. But that being said, if I had somebody with um, a Zolgad shirt, I went to a bunch of events, and then they they offered me a really nice chunk of change, but they said, I'm not going to give you exactly what you want, but, you know, I got this Zolgad shirt I wear everywhere, and because of that, people know your name. Do you, have, do you like, have any Zolgad shirts? That no, you? I don't, but, I, but I'd but probably take it and say, oh, you know what, until until you know my club gets good, I'm willing to accept your offer because you wear this jersey or shirt, so... If I have to put blame on one side, I'm going to say I don't understand what the Marlins are doing.
2: So I think both sides share blame. People are all over Derek Jeter. Like, he takes over the team, and and does, I think his problem is he hasn't been as frontal with the media and putting it. If you're going to make these huge moves, like getting rid of Christian Yelich and Giancarlo Stanton, two of the best players in baseball, and kind of sit behind the scenes and... You got to be out front, and you got to talk about your plan. At least do what the Sixers did, which is, hey, there's a process here. It's going to take like five years, and he just hasn't been out there very much, so that's his problem. But people are too early to jump on a relatively sharp guy. We think that was very calculated in his professional career, marketing career, all those things. Like I- I'm pretty sure Derek Jeter has a plan, and maybe we should just trust that at some point it's going to come to fruition, and they just you know needed to strip it down. That said. Marlins man has put more attention on a dumpster fire franchise the last three or four years than anything the actual Marlins could do themselves. Even having the best power hitter of our generation didn't save them from being a laughingstock. Giancarlo Stanton, right? So like Marlins man is not only a mascot that hangs out in your stadium. He goes and sits on his own dime on national TV in premium seats and pays probably Six figures or more per year, I would say he probably he probably spends like a million dollars a year on travel and tickets and hotel and all those things, right? With your jersey. Like he's a walking billboard for your right. franchise. Yes. That's one of the most embarrassing in all of professional team sports. So you should do everything you can. It's a little bit like apples to oranges here, but all right, Timberwolves. I know KG's kind of a maniac and probably not a guy that you want to get like fully in bed with from an ownership front office standpoint, but don't burn the bridge. Don't burn the KG bridge. He's one of the only things you really have as a franchise. Sadly, Marlins man might be a tool, might be over the top, might be lowballing him. He's one of the most valuable marketing things they have for the next couple of years. Like, if he stops wearing a Marlins jersey behind home plate, game four of the World Series, that actually hurts your franchise a little bit. Like, he keeps your franchise top of mind, Absolutely. which is amazing to say, but he does. That's true can't believe I just said
1: signing with Marlin's man we did our twins <laughs> predictions yesterday remind the people how far you guys have them advancing this year both said playoffs correct yeah I mean we I don't think we were super
2: specific I think they I think they get to a like divisional round for sure
1: okay you said they'd be a wild card team and perhaps win that first game they'll and beat the Red Sox in the wildcard. yeah we'll yeah, see all right let's play a new game it's called premature pie. Let's well, that, make that pie uh, chart That of might praise. have been what happened
2: to Judd last night in the TCL theater is that, box. Is
1: that what happened? Yeah, I think that is what happened. That was the well, whipped cream that put me over the top. Now we're going to do it twins-related, boys. It's a pie chart of praise. You don't have to give me the full pie chart, but when you look back at the season and you're dishing out those slices of pie to whoever or whatever it might be, who is going to get the biggest piece of that premature pie? Wow.
2: Uh, again, there's going to be, you know, credit goes to a lot of different people. So I'm going to give baseline credit to anyone and everyone, you know, to a certain point and then we're going to dish out
1: like the bonus slices. Who gets able- the biggest piece? That's all I care about. Oh, the biggest piece. Yes. Um wow. Who or what? I mean, you could say
2: the bullpen, I guess. But- Darren Johnson, who no longer heads the Twins draft operations, he's doing something else in the organization for selecting Byron Buxton number 2 overall five years ago or six years ago because if they do what they're supposed to do this year it's because byron buxton evolved fully into the player that we thought and so even though darren johnson doesn't have as much influence in the organization with this regime as the previous regime he's the guy that selected byron buxton and byron buxton will emerge as one of the top players in baseball this year. do
3: darren johnson and terry get get rings in October. Well, Terry or, works for the Phillies now, so I would, yeah, I, I know. Probably not. But, but if you're the Darren Twins, Johnson, works for the Twins. But if yeah. you're, you know,
2: if if you're I mean, the Darren Johnson, if you're the Twins, do the you Twins. call
3: him and say, Terry, you know what? You played a big role in our. The World Twins Series would probably do that.
2: Actually, that's like that's a very Twins-like um, thing to do.
3: <laughs> I agree with Phil. It's Buxton. It's Buxton because if Buxton matures into the player that he should be, and let's say he has a great year, let's say he hits like three ten. Now now he goes from batting eighth in maybe April and May to batting third or something like that. but certainly it becomes a force at the plate. If he's a force at the plate, he probably steals 45 50 bases. And the important thing too is the defense remains phenomenal. and because of that, your pitching is your pitching goes from being potentially solid to very good. So I think of all of the elements of this team, if Buxton turns into a superstar, it's a linchpin type of deal where, where the trickle-down is everyone improves Byron Buxton. Big piece of pie for premature
1: pie for Byron. All right, final question actually involves the Phillies who were mentioned. Gabe Kapler, they uh, put him in a video on Twitter saying, hey, we're looking for a new employee. We need a left-hander to throw BP at our home games 81 times a year. We need a, left-handy, a left-hander who can chuck it a little bit. And maybe have a couple creative ideas, help out the marketing department or whatever. But most okay. important, you gotta be a lefty yep. that can throw a good sure. BP. Seen this before? Guys. That sounds like a pretty awesome job to me. Be the BP guy, just show up before games for an hour, toss the boys, and then sit back and watch a ball game. So tell me, aside from playing, managing anything of substance with the actual product on the field, ice, court, whatever it is, best behind the scenes job in sports that you think you would be qualified for? Wow. <laughs>
3: Oh, I gotta give this some thought because so you're actually so are we saying like uh
1: behind the scenes job in the front <laughs> office or something like that too? Something without a whole lot of responsibility. So maybe you're the bullpen catcher. Maybe you're the beer guy. Yeah, okay. You know, I if the twins said they needed a right hander to throw BP, I'm ready. I am ready to you go. Know I've
2: been loosening up for two weeks. So I'll 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 let Judd think on this one for a second here. I can get Have- fungos. I'm kind of bad at fungos. Can you do the ground balls? But you can hit like towering fly balls with a fungo bat. I'm not
1: great with fly balls, but I, mean, I can I can do it. I can't do fungos. But the only ground thing about balls, I'm solid. The
2: thing about fungos, have you ever watched a major league infield slash batting practice session where sure. there's like 83 things happening at once, yep. and it's really easy to get hit in the head with a baseball if you're not paying attention? I would worry about
1: that medical <laughs> safety. Would that's be why it. the Nets it's have to be in, in their place. It's easy ninth grade yeah. baseball when there's one ball in play to get hit in the head. <laughs> that's not surprising. <laughs> Uh, Ever since the story broke two or three years
2: ago, where a prominent National Football League team had two guys specifically employed to deflate footballs on behalf (laughs) of the greatest football player of all time, Tom Brady. Yeah,
3: the deflator. sure. Listen, you Uh guys
2: are going to go sneak off into this side bathroom, and you're just going to take a little air out of all these footballs and not get caught. Mm -hmm. So... There's some excitement. First of all, the job's not that hard, right? You just let all the air out of the football, but it kind of makes you feel like you're You're in a mission. It's like a mission. You're Brady's guy. It's like a Mission Impossible every Sunday. It's like you don't you don't want to get caught. You don't want to get suspended, fired. If you do, you're going to get thrown under the bus and you'll never work in the NFL again. So there's a little pressure. No pun intended. (laughs) You're doing a solid for Tom Brady for Bill Belichick. I think the um, if you can't get the pressure of actually playing. How about the pressure of
1: deflating footballs without the league finding out? Probably get a free copy of the TV12 book too. For sure, for <laughs> At sure, least half off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anything, Jen? Ah, uh, three things. Wow, all,
3: all baseball. Number one, the bullpen car. I've been politicking for this job for a long time. I drive the damn car. Okay. Number two, that'll be a good one for th- sure.
2: Number two, you wouldn't be. You'd have to. The breathalyzer would have to be in play though. If you're going to be wandering around the ballpark and then all of a sudden, like the eighth I, inning, they need Johnny to you drive the about,
3: I could drive it. Give me keys. Number two, the job that I've always said that I I will get once I get fired here, Bat Boy. Be a hell of a Bat Boy. Mm -hmm. And number three, Dave St. Peter, can you please hire me to name your bars in Target Field? Because whoever came to you with the idea of bat and barrel to replace the Metropolitan Club (laughs) should be fired and replaced by me. Honest to God. I mean, we spent a day... Fixated on "Circle Me, Bert" might be gone, and meanwhile, we've changed what was a just a great name for a bar to one of the most generic. As yeah. we as we all have discussed before, too, it's the new trend. Let's have two names. It's way more fun to have two. It's way more creative to have two names with a clever
2: font and the the end yes. sign. Yeah.
3: Can you please hire me? And you know what? I'll do it pro bono. Just ask me what you should name your bars.
2: Yeah, I don't
1: think they would offer you a lot of money. Like, so your no. pro bono thing would be kind I of do, I'll do a pro signing, bono. But, yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay,
1: do it right now. You have to change the name. You can't pick Metropolitan Club. Pick a new name right now. Killer brews. Ooh, that's good. But he's I, already got the root beer. What about no? 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 no. no,
2: no. What about Killer Bruise? No, you get. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Killer I would name. Blues. I would
3: name the bars after. I I would start off by saying, let's name the bars after our Hall of Fame type players. All right, that's pockets. Killer is brews, that
2: honor higher up than a gate. retired number or like a statue outside? I think getting a bar named after you is it's pretty it's a good. Pretty big oh, honor. Herbeck's got it.
3: Yeah, exactly. There's so limited let, space, so mm-hmm. let's keep it. Yeah, Kirby's. So let's go Kirby's. Killer Brews, Herbeck's got one. Circle me, birds. <laughs> you know what? That place oh, would
2: be are Here by Circle. Uh, Rhombus me, Roy is coming up next. <laughs> Roy Smalley.
1: Becky and Judd are talking Twins now. Now with former Twins great turned FSN analyst Roy Smalley.
2: Yes. Hello. Oh, quick intro. Quick intro yeah. there. Right to the. Yes, content. it was. Right to the content. More, more, Roy more. Roy Smalley. Welcome to the 2018 baseball season. We've got Marlins and Cubs national anthem, which means baseball is back, baby.
0: Here we go. Here we go. It's the uh, most butterfly time of the year until you get in the postseason. <laughs>
2: yeah, <Rich coughs> fingers, just just a few months away. Which fingers crossed? We we actually did our <laughs> we did our predictions yesterday, and we actually all three of us had Twins Red Sox in the wild card game in about six months from now.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. I I'll take that. Um, and I don't think, uh, I, 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 evidently, you're, uh, you're giving it away to Cleveland uh, already, and I'm not willing to do that, but okay. okay.
3: What are your expectations, Roy? If you, you had to make a prediction today about the, the fate of this club, what would you predict?
0: I think they're going to have a real good year. I'm hopeful they have a, a, a good year. I'm, ex, I'm as excited as uh, as all Twins fans are with the moves that they made, and and uh, it, it just on paper it looks like uh, such a better team than uh, did what they did last year. So that means that means 90 wins, right, or 92 or mm-hmm. or uh, or something. I, but but i I'll, I'll tell you, I temper that just a little bit. I expect. Uh, what's going to happen. With the pitching being uh, better uh, by quite a bit, in my, in my view, that should, uh, that, that should place them on an 87-92 win uh, kind, of, kind of season. The, the reason I would temper that is because we're assuming that all the young guys take the next step. There is a backbone of players here that Uh, that played like crazy the second half of the season uh, and did not necessarily play like crazy the first half of the season. So we don't know yet about Sano. Eddie Rosario, I think, is going to be a a very, very good hitter, but I'd like to see him uh, back it up. I was talking to Suhan the other day on on our podcast. You know the game – The the pig or horse or whatever, the basketball court, right? Mm -hmm. You make a bank shot from long range or something, and your opponent will. You got to back that up, right? You got to show that you can make that again, and it wasn't that that wasn't a fluke. I kind of feel that way about Kepler. I kind of feel that way about Buxton. I kind of feel that way about Rosario, Uh, and I was going to say about Polanco, but he's not in the mix right now. So you got all of these the backbone uh, players. Uh, not you know Brian Dozier notwithstanding, uh, that uh, who doesn't have to back up anything he just has to be Brian, but all these other kids they're, they're, we're assuming are gonna are gonna be as good or better, hopefully better, and we just don't know for sure. I, I need one more year, and then I, then I'll say okay now we know exactly what we've got. So yeah. I'm very hopeful. I'm very optimistic. I think it's potentially uh, you know I think the range is 87 to 92, uh, barring um, any more injuries. But you know, let's just you know the beauty about baseball, right? Today is you say we got to play it out. So you don't play it on paper. You got or a dice game. You got to play it out. Well,
2: one of the horse players, uh, I like that analogy, is is Byron Buxton. And if you if you take his July first numbers through the end of the year, and then extrapolate that to a full season of 162 games, we're talking about a 900 OPS, a 300 plus hitter, uh, 30 home runs, you know, 100 plus runs, RBIs, just. MVP numbers across the board and a Gold Glove. I don't. I mean, that's that's a pretty aggressive expectation to just. All right, let's double the numbers and expect that. But you know, what did you see in the second half that leads you to believe that he could take a jump for six full months this year?
0: Well, look. The first thing you're you're right in your you're tempering that. You can't just double that because that's not the way a baseball season work works. You know, as as you well know, baseball season is a game of averages. You just put. You just listed a whole bunch of averages uh, there on uh, uh, on base uh, percentage slugging percentage batting average you know those kinds of things and it doesn 't happen in linear fashion for the for most players it there are fits and starts and streaks and and slumps and you know we saw a a, a, a really rough first half and a really great second half and and again who's who's going to be who 's going to show up is it going to be that kind of, is he going to be that kind of streaky player? Is he going to even it out a little bit? The thing that I think about Byron, and you guys know we've talked so much about his hitting mechanics. I don't like it. I think he's, I think there are a number of, uh, of things that he does naturally that are not great, uh, not conducive to real consistency. And yet, what he does have is uh, immense uh, talent. I mean, meteoric talent, and ultimately I think the talent wins over the mechanics, and I think he becomes the type of player that we all, you know, that you're suggesting, and maybe not, maybe not those numbers where uh, you double his second half, but I really think a, a one of the true stars in the, in the game, if that happens this year, then, I mean, his, him doing that alone uh, probably, and, and pitchers just pitching just the way what they've done in the past, and they win ninety-two games just on the strength of Byron uh, being what I think Byron's going to be. Is this the year, boy? I hope so.
3: Roy, as far as Buxton goes, if you could uh, sit down with with him and and change one thing mechanically at the plate, what what would you change?
0: Well, he's he's a little bit um, he's a little bit uh, sweep pull conscious, and, and by that I mean the barrel of the bat. Comes through the hitting, hitting area uh, below his hands a little bit and uh, a little bit too much. It doesn't mean that that uh, that's not the way it works for everybody, but he's he's a little bit sweep to left field through the through the zone. And when he's more back at the ball, back the big end of the bat, staying in the stri- in the zone longer and and hitting back through the line of flight of the pitch, uh, he uses the whole field and he and he, he makes more uh... consistent contact I mean with him it's just all about contact. If he puts the big end of the bat on the ball he's going to hit three hundred it's all about the streaks that he gets in when he's a little pull conscious and so you see him uh you, you see him get beat on high fastballs and then he gets in a hurry and then you see him swinging at that low and away slider it's it, he's kind of where uh Tory Hunter was at the beginning of his career and people and you remember you guys remember this you know it's a saying you know tory he'll, he'll never figure out that that slider uh going down and away from him but he did figure it out tory was a smart guy and he and he adjusted and i think i think byron will too he's got he's a uh, he's got immense talent and he's got a great head on his shoulders and he's a hard worker uh he's, a t- he's I think he's really tough mentally i think he'll figure that stuff out will he ever have the perfect hitting mechanics i i don't know that it's going to matter because because of the talent and his work ethic, and you just—he's a once in a lifetime, once in a generation kind of kind of talent, and I just think that's going to win. Yeah,
1: Roy
2: Smalley talking Twins. He's going to be with us once again, uh, multiple seasons in a row here. Roy's been are uh, just one of our favorite guests across the board talking Twins as they open up their season in two hours and about thirty minutes. In Baltimore when so we'd love to get your thoughts on the launch angle craze in baseball and how hitters have openly talked about using you know uh, track man data which it's almost like you when you go to like second swing and do the tour van club fitting thing where they track your you know your spin rate and stuff with a golf club I mean hitters are doing this now with a baseball bat and Logan Morrison's a great example. This is going to get way into the weeds, but he increased his launch angle, his average launch angle, from like 12 degrees to 17 degrees and and hit a bunch more home runs and more towering fly balls, and maybe the ball was juiced a little bit too. But when you hear about the launch angle craze, what are your thoughts, Roy?
0: Well, it's, it's just come uh, full circle away from, or, or 180 degrees away from, what the old, um, what, what it was, baseball hitting um Knowledge or uh, it taken as truth for so long. I mean, if you look at Joe DiMaggio, old pictures of Joe DiMaggio, you um, his, if, and think about uh, where his, the big end of his bat uh, ended up. It was much more, more like Brian Dozier. The big end of the bat in the follow-through was below, was below his shoulders. Right. So his. He he was more of a level to downward swinging uh, guy, and um, that's uh, you know all the old guys swung like that. And uh, one of the few guys that didn't, Lou Gehrig. You look at all those. I mean, he was a he, he was the same kind of swinger who was not who had launch angle. Babe Ruth had <laughs> had he, he was one of the uh, of the early adopters, right of, of that. At launch angle, and I think what's what has uh, happened now is that uh, young guys are uh, big and strong, and realize that if they have the the uh, bat coming through the zone at a a, a launch angle that is uh, a little more up at the ball, that they're going to hit uh, the ball in the air. The ball is juice enough, and they're strong enough that uh, they're going to hit a lot of home runs. The flip side of that is there are more strikeouts than ever, and you just have to, you know, you have to live with that. And if people are willing to, you know, to live with that, uh, then that's fine. It's a different game now because pitchers are trying, they would rather walk somebody than let them hit the ball in the air like that. So mm-hmm. you're seeing lots of three and two counts because pitchers are nibbling around. And guys are swinging and missing and fouling balls back. And so the games are longer. You get more strikeouts. You get more home runs. And that's just where, that's, that's where, we, uh, where we are now. Interestingly enough, I've said this for many for two or three or four years now. All of the talk about it, up until just recently, even now, pitchers have to keep the ball down, keep the ball down. Well, if you've got a whole bunch of hitters that are big and strong and their launch angle is from low to high, down there is, is music to their ears, and that's where they want the ball because the angle of the bat can't get to the high pitch. In the old days, when guys said to hit keep the ball down, it was because uh, if you threw it up with a level guy hitters with a level swing, the ball the ball was already up there waiting to be put in the air mm-hmm. with a level swing. But now with the launch angle, the, ball, the guys basically uppercutting the, the ball uh, their, their swings a lot. Low pitch is a lot more, a lot easier to to, to uh, get into the air, and they're having a hard time catching up with the uh, with high fastballs. Think about Brian Dozier is the only guy on the Twins team that can handle you know a big league fastball ab- above belt high. Everybody wants the ball from belt high or or below now.
2: And and it's 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 all about the counter adjustment, right? I mean, there's. Like Anthony Swarzak had some quotes, and he's been great the last couple of years. You know, later in his career, saying, "Yeah, well, during my Twins run, they they kind of had me, you know, more sinker kind of pitch down in the zone, and that was playing right into this transformation of hitters looking to to change their swings, and now he's working up in the zone and looking to throw four seamers uh, belt high and above."
0: And and good for him. He should because until a, a hitter proves that he can handle it uh, up there. Uh, i think i think you you've got to, you've got a pitch up there now because most guys uh want the ball they think they want the ball up in the zone, but they don't belt high is the is the upper limit to most guys now and uh that's I admire brian Dozier's swing so much because the big end of his bat is is coming through a, a very you know a very level plane and he's the only one that can handle high fastballs. and, and consequently i mean he's a He's a thirty to forty home run uh, a a year guy, and and he talks about backspin in the ball. He, and people talk about Max Kepler who can backspin the ball, and everybody laughs at that and say well, that's backspinning the baseball doesn't you know doesn't get more carry. That's been a common that's been common knowledge in baseball for a hundred years that it actually does. And the line, people can talk about launch angle all they want. Launch angle works great on everything about thigh high and and uh, and below. So we'll see what kinds of adjustments are uh, are made. Uh, I saw Jake Odorizzi talking about the other day where he he has gotten away with with high fastballs, and and I think this is the yeah, this is the reason. You look at uh, who is the big uh, guy, the big tall right-hander from Kansas City. I'm blanking on his name right now. The six-eight. Fellow that uh, hung around for a long time and pitched, and he'd throw 88 miles an hour. Chris Young. Duck- Chris Young. No. 88 miles an hour, stomach high uh, to everybody. and Guys kept popping the ball up. And they, no. they walked back to the dugout shaking their heads and go, this guy's got nothing. Well, <laughs> I, I know I get it, but it, it, if if you can't hit it up there, then nothing works.
2: Exactly. By the way, it didn't take long for the Marlins season to end. They're down one nothing after one batter. Ian Hap goes deep for the Cubs. First pitch <laughs> so, of
0: the
3: season. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a home symbolic run of Field.
2: what's about to happen with the Marlins. Roy, great stuff as always. We're looking forward to it every week going forward. And uh, The Twins and Orioles start in two hours from now. See
0: you, Roy. Thank you. Can't
2: wait. Awesome. Talk to you next week, Roy. See ya. Roy Smalley, Fox Sports North. And uh, that's going to be a fun, obvious baseball conversation all year. And that sound means you have another chance to win a copy of MLB The Show 2018 for PS4. Be caller number five to 651 646 8255 877 615 1500. Before we uh, break officially here, let's talk about this TCL TV that's sitting in our studio that has glorious baseball on it. Sweet, glorious baseball and a Miami team that can't get anybody out, which is as expected. Um, The Cubs have been batting for like 15 minutes, and we've seen every lace on the baseball because of the 4K picture quality on this TV. Uh, TCL is also the home for one of the best spots to watch a sporting event in the Twin Cities, the TCL Theater Boxes where Judd and I hung out last night and uh, gorged ourselves on some five-star cuisine and took in all the sights and sounds of a 56-point performance. So go check out a game inside Target Center from a TCL Theater Box where uh, you can do what Judd did, take... Eight trips to the uh, dessert bar with no shame. No regrets. And then show up in a daze the next morning for, uh, for your job. But uh, he's managing. He's getting through it. You can find TCL TVs at any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities and f- find out why TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. Phil Mackey
3: He tried to be so polished As a broadcaster, he says weird stuff But it's almost funny at times
2: Judd Zolgad Just from a baseball perspective, I really enjoy him Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN
1: Get your tickets now To check out Minnesota United They're back home this Saturday night It'll be a 7 o'clock kickoff at TCF Bank Stadium Against Atlanta United Head to mnufc.com To purchase your tickets We have a posted official
3: opening day Twins lineup for the 2 o'clock start, or just after 2 o'clock start, against the Baltimore Orioles. All right, let's hear it. Batting first at second base, Brian Dozier. Okay. Batting second, playing first base, Joe Maurer. Batting third at third base, Miguel Sano. Eddie Rosario is in left field, bad arm and all.
0: You were here by circle.
3: Logan Morrison is your DH, and he bats fifth. Eduardo Escobar is at shortstop, 7-8-9. Kepler in right, Buxton in center, Castro behind the plate, and Oda Rizzi on the mound. <laughs>
2: The Twins
0: today.
2: Hey, how does this make you feel? Phil Miller from the Star Tribune. So, Lance Lynn was going to make a little tune up, little minor league kind of spring training thing. The team goes to Baltimore, and uh, Lance Lynn was going to do a minor league spring game. I guess, what's, what's today? Thursday? So, yesterday, it's Wednesday. And, you know, the reporter's like, oh, so Lance Lynn stayed behind to get that extra little tune-up, you know, for yeah. yep. how did he fare against the minor leaguers? Oh, boy. Lance Lynn gave up six runs in the first inning of a minor league spring game on Wednesday, but he threw roughly 80 pitches, putting him in a good position for his Twins debut in Pittsburgh on Monday. Not 80 pitches in one inning, but, like, he gave up six runs in the first inning yep. and, and then, then stuck 80. around for 80 pitches, so three or four not, innings. I'm
3: not concerned, at least.
2: And, uh... He's in a good, p- good position he's... for that Twins debut in Pittsburgh. As long, yeah. as, his, as
3: long as his arm is fine, I have no concerns about that. That does not make me feel bad at all. Maybe he was just working on some things. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, who, who knows? Yeah, that's the type of thing that, that, that does not concern me. Have the Marlins, so the Marlins have one out now? Okay, they did get an out. Yeah, they've been playing for like 25 minutes, and the game... Marlins just how got their first out. How long out. is this game going to go?
2: Oh my God! Pace well, of play. In fairness, the the opening ceremonies, which yep. I'm sure were extravagant with all of the you know heralded players on the roster for the Marlins, takes a while to you know introduce. How all many those Marlins guys.
3: can you name off the top of your head? Uh, let's see uh, a few. Like Justin Bohr is still their first baseman, right? Yes. I, yes, I saw that. I know, I know that only because I saw him on the batting practice chart they showed okay. during baseball tonight before the game.
2: Let me try this here. Actually, their closer is Brad Ziegler. Okay. Or at least he was supposed to be their closer. I, probably not going to need him very often this season. I can't
3: help you a lot, so I, I'm not
2: uh, putting the Isn't that uh, uh, Derek Dietrich or whatever, that utility guy? Okay, so he didn't get traded. he still plays for the Marlins. I thought
3: they are okay, so he might have wanted to be traded, but they didn't trade him? He, I know not he was guys. one of
2: the, well, the guys that, Yelich and Stanton, were, and Stanton was under contract for another decade. Yeah. And Yelich is under team control for like a few more. Yelich is one of the most is underrated players Yelich in baseball. The, one,
3: the guy we talked about went to Brewers. Milwaukee. Yes, and then there was o- Osuna. Osuna.
2: okay, or Ozuna, and yeah. he is. Where did he get traded to? I can't remember. Was it the Cardinals or something? Might have been the car. I, I really is can't it
3: remember. more d- difficult to name guys on the Atlanta Hawks roster or the Miami it's Marlins roster? Close.
2: At least you've got more tries at it with Miami because they got twenty five sure. guys, and the, you know the Hawks have like fourteen. Sure, but yeah, like this poor guy. This dude who's starting opening day here, yeah. and this is a really tough lineup. I mean, Ian Happ is the leadoff hitter for the Cubs, and he might not be a household name yet. The guy hit like 25 bombs. There's a hit by a pitch. Base is low. <laughs> Chris Bryant coming at you. Can Anthony Rizzo. Forfe- shredded Can Kyle they just Schwarber. forfeit the series? Poor Don Mattingly. Can
3: they wait till Pittsburgh comes to town and just oh. say, okay, we'll play the Pirates?
2: Like, Don Mattingly signed up to manage a team. This is his second year in Miami, yes. right? He signed up to manage a team that included the best power hitter in baseball, and Christian Yelich. And sadly um, the the pitcher who for, for uh, what's gosh oh my gosh Fernandez yeah Jose Fernandez so anywho